I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to Work It, You Are Worth It. Um, Tonight, it is just me hosting the podcast. Um, This is Dawn. And Ashley is off um, cruising it up, having a wonderful time. So... I wanted to come on here and I actually am bringing a very special guest to me and I'm very excited about sharing this with her. So most of you have heard me talk a lot about my mom and my mom has been a big part of my um, journey because that's where a lot of my work had to go. Um, So she agreed to, um, I'm not going to say you know, woohoo, I get to do this, but she agreed to do this with me. And so she's actually going to be joining me tonight on the podcast. And we're going to kind of be talking about how recovery looked for her from an outside looking and watching me and what she's learned about it and how she feels about it now. And maybe the changes she has seen um, me go through and as well kind of how my growth has impacted her life so with no further ado um hi mom hi dawn i'm glad to be here with you tonight i'm very glad you're here very excited about this so um so yeah so that's my mom everybody I've got some questions, so we're just going to really just fill this hour in on something that not a lot of people get. When we go through recovery, a lot of times we grow individually, and that does not flow downstream or upstream. We can break generational codependency ourselves by doing our own recovery work. However, in my situation, I have had the opportunity of that of making an impact for my my son, who you guys all know, and I've talked about, is working his own recovery and codependency, and is in, is having a successful time at it as well. And he will be on the podcast later um, in a few weeks, so I'm excited about that um, too. But um, I've also had the opportunity to watch and witness my mom take the the changes that I have made and learn from them and witness her grow. So I guess the best way to find out how is, I guess, let me ask her. So when I started this journey, so I will actually be in CODA five years here um, on June 26th. You know me obviously before and you knew I started this, I started the journey and what did you think back then? Like, what did you think when I said, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do and see how it works? Honestly, Dawn, when you first started this journey, I wasn't sure what it was all about and how it was going to affect me. But as you transition through this, I see that it affected me more than I realized. Because as I was growing up, you might say, And as my children were growing up, there was a lot in my background that created a lot of the problems that I had with my children. But as Dawn transitioned through her journey, I could see that I kind of needed to, I needed to grow up too. So what things did you, like, did you think it would work when I, when I started and I said that I was going to do this and how like what did you think like what did you and right we're gonna get to like how you your thought process changed but what did you truly think when i was like i'm gonna go to this program and i'm going to and i know i didn't make this huge announcement about doing it i know i just went did you think (laughs) did you think it was some cockamamie thing did you right did you think it was like like what'd you think 
Yeah, Dawn, I thought it was some cockamamie thing. Because <laughs> I really did not understand what it was all about. But the more you talked to me about it, the more I could reflect on my own background and the things that I have done in my life and how I have lived my life. I grew up with a lot of yelling and screaming from my father. And when you hear these things and you are around these things all the time, you more or less think this is part of what life's all about. I really didn't know what it was all about. And what I thought about it was, how is this going to change my life? How is it going to change Dawn's life? But the more she talked to me about it, the more I was beginning to understand. Let's talk about our relationship pre-CODA, prior to me going to CODA. And I've said this before, my mom and I had a conversation before I decided to go on this podcast journey. She has agreed to be very open. So um, I want to thank her for that before we keep going. But because we're going to put our dirty laundry right out here now. So what was our relationship like before CODA? I was not a very nice person. I was not a very nice person to my daughter. And I feel at times like she wasn't a very nice person to me either. I believe that when I said that I wasn't nice to my daughter and she wasn't nice to me, it was because we both were at each other's throats constantly. I didn't know any better. And before CODA, she didn't know any better. So I look at our, if anybody knows that's listening to me talk, they know my story with you. You and I have said a lot of very hurtful, nasty things to each other that no two people should say to each other ever, but we did. I didn't know how to, like for me, I didn't know at the time, I had no clue how to have a relationship with anyone, let alone the one person in my life that triggered me in every aspect. And that's what would happen. We couldn't have a conversation. We would not have a conversation without fighting. Like we would get on the phone and we'd be talking about the weather and the weather would turn into a fight. And it wasn't like it was a fight that would be, no, the, the, the sky is green. No, it's blue. No, it's green. No, it's blue. No, it'd be like, no, I said it was green. Da, 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 I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Da, 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 da. I mean, it would go to that, that level of extreme. And, we, and it wasn't like... This would go on for like 45 minutes to an hour. And then, but what was so weird, we'd hang up and then we would talk. I would be so angry at her. She'd be angry. I'm assuming you would be angry at me. Most definitely. And then we would talk the next time and it was like nothing happened. And I agree with you, Dawn. I was just thinking the same thing. That's how I felt. Like nothing happened. But I knew that it did. Because I can remember the conversation from the previous day. And then I'd have all this remorse and thinking, why did I talk to my daughter this way? But then, Why did she talk to me this way? Did you have resentment as well? Because I know I would have resentment yes, with you. Yes, I resented it. Very yeah. much so. Like I would resent you. And I resented you. Yep. And then I think that resentment just kept carrying on and carrying on. And so, yes, the next day would be a normal conversation. But... The hurt was already there. Right. And so there was always that level of where that underlying resentment was. And then we would just, you would say, oh, the grass is blue. And I would, it just built on that. And so we'd go right back into those arguments and fights. And then the, we'd let it go. And then the next day we would talk. And at that point in our lives, I mean, my mom and I have been ride or dies for our entire lives and, or my entire life. And... We spent, I mean, there, when I was pregnant with Dylan, I was with them every day. I, uh, up until I got divorced the first time, I w we were together every day. We would talk 20 times a day. And when you're interacting with someone at that level who does trigger you, there's nothing can come of it but fights eventually and arguments. And that's what I think we, we witnessed. And then... And we, and we experienced. I think during that interim time when Dawn was with me all the time, I felt like I needed to control her life. That I still, I was the mom, but I also needed to be the mom that controlled everything that she did. Because I didn't let her grow up. And that was a mistake on my part. 
because I didn't know any better. When we, as you were witnessing, so I was going into these relationships and, you know, I started obviously dating young and I would go into the different relationships that I've been in my life. What did you think as that was happening? I thought you were making terrible mistake. But instead of telling you that you were making mistake, I kept encouraging, oh, fine, you're doing fine, Dawn, you're doing fine. This is what you need. But in the back of my head, I'm telling myself, it's all wrong. It's going to be a mistake. But it wouldn't have mattered if you would have said it was a mistake or you encouraged me because it was, it was where I was at in my life. And I was... You were an adult. Right. I mean, I was, I am, but you know, there's so much of, even if you would have said, I don't think it's, it's right. I think what I would have, and I wouldn't have known this until like this, I wouldn't know this until after, like I've worked on myself and I've really reflected on my past. I feel like you were always there, but you were never there. And that was my whole childhood. You were there. You were my mom. You took very good care of us. Took care very, very good care of me. But yet you weren't there. You weren't present. And I was I was angry about that. I was resentful of that because it was like sometimes I just needed my mom and I never just got my mom. And I can understand how you felt on that, Dawn, because at times I wish I would have been there. I didn't know how to be a mom because I wasn't taught how to be a mom. And I think everybody, we all would say as moms, we would love to have a manual, but we aren't given manuals, right? Nobody's given a manual. We do the best we can, as you said, with what we've got. Yeah. What else about how our relationship was? Would you, that would you want to share, like situations of extremes that you would want to share? Is there anything that stands out? Like, do you have a specific memory of um, our relationship where it was like at a bad, a, a bad point? that you'd like want to talk about? I'm sure there were some bad things that probably I could talk about. But honestly, Dawn, I think I have blanked those out of my mind because you are very important to me and I don't want to remember the bad things. But I, but the thing about the bad things, Mom, the bad things are what we grow from. The, the bad things are the things that I can look at, I can do a self-inventory of and say... Yeah, that wasn't a good time. That wasn't. And I'm not asking you to say things from your side of it. Is there things that I did that you remember that... Maybe there were some things that you did, but I don't know that they were bad on your part. Uh, I felt maybe they were bad because I felt like, like I said, my mom and dad died. My mom died when I was young. I was very close to her. I wanted that kind of relationship with Dawn. And I felt like at times I didn't get that relationship with you and wanted it. I think part of the problem that I had was I felt like you didn't need me anymore. When? And When you were going through your relationships. And you shouldn't have needed me then because you were, you were, you were growing, you were an adult, you were having relationships that you were supposed to have, and I couldn't control them, and I felt like maybe I needed to control them, because that's, I felt like... Why would you say that, well, you, I stayed kind of like what you're saying is I stayed out of it because I didn't think you needed me anymore because you were an adult. I felt like that I needed to control you. And I didn't know any better. But controlling isn't what you needed. You needed guidance from me. And I went about it the wrong way. I think, you know, one of the things, like you, you know, I was, I said was you kind of went away because you thought I was an adult. And the problem is, as adults, I think we sometimes need maybe more guidance, especially. I felt like at times, Dawn, that you didn't really want anything from me, any guidance from me, that you were just, leave me the hell alone, Mom. I can do this myself. And that triggered me to want to become a bitch to you. And I also felt that the people that you were involved with was taking you away from me because you were the only thing I had 
because I didn't have a mom, I didn't have a dad, but I had a baby girl. And I didn't have a husband because he decided he wanted to go elsewhere. And I felt like they were taking, these significant others of yours was taking you away from me. And that turned me into this monster that I did not like. The one thing that's interesting, and I, again, didn't realize this early on, and I did not do this with my oldest son as the, I, I tried. I mean, I, I, I think I did, a, I think I did a little bit better than you did, but I think I did better because I at least had, like, even in this situation with, with, with Dylan, I just knew that I didn't want to be the same mom you were. And I think so much that's what we do as parents, like, or, you know, as we have kids, like, I don't, I want to do things different than my parents You wanted to be better than what I was because I was not a good parent at that point. But I don't think you had, like, with with your mom getting sick so young, and it's hard. I actually have a hard time calling her my grandma because I never knew her. So I call her your mom. I think it's... You didn't, I mean, she got sick and she died when you were so young that you never got the opportunity to think, I want to be better than my mom. For you, better just meant being alive and being there. Absolutely, because I thought at the time I was being as good as what my mom had taught me up until the point that she got sick and I didn't have her anymore. So that's all I could teach my daughter. So how old was she when she got sick? I was... Well, I just grad or finished eighth grade and was getting ready to start my freshman year in high school. So she got sick. Were you in elementary school when she got sick? No, I was in my eighth grade. Okay, so it, she got sick and it went quickly. Okay. Well, it took her four years till she died. Okay. So I had four years of her being sick and not having the guidance that I needed from a mom. Right, because they were traveling to get her well. I mean, honestly, we do teach our kids a lot up through eighth grade, but those are more like, right, we, they learn so much when they're babies and like they, you know, just a little like just eating, walking, you know, all that stuff, basic skills they have to have. And really, when you get in middle school is when life starts getting harder as a child, because now you've got hormones and things are going on in your bodies and we're trying to navigate all that stuff and so as moms our roles were important our moms our roles are important as 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 small children but they're almost more important at that age and you didn't have that because you didn't know what right from wrong was at that point right you didn't have somebody to guide you somebody to say hey your your skirt's too short absolutely or what is sex what is right how what does it feel like what is um understanding what your period is what it's not and i felt like when dawn started having her relationships with her significant others that she didn't know what she was doing and i felt like maybe i needed to tell her what was right from wrong But I didn't know myself because I wasn't taught that. And I think it was too late. By the time I got into relationships, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, I was in a high school, you know, high school relationships. But let's be honest, in high school, we think we know it all and we just don't listen to our parents. We just don't want to hear our parents. But at the same time, as parents, like we have to say those things, even though we know our kids might not be listening in that moment in time. They will hear us eventually. And I think that's one of the things, I think that's what you said earlier and one of the things we, where we struggled was you, you didn't know it was okay to have these conversations, so you didn't have these conversations. Honestly, I didn't know what to talk about because nobody had talked about it with me. Right. So I didn't know what to say. As I got, continued to get older and stuff, and then... I met my, you know, I met my first husband and I got married and I had Dylan and you know, that changed my life forever. One of the best gifts of my life is my oldest son. And I know at that point, that's when you're in my relationship changed. Like, right. It was, I was an, I was an adolescent. I was not listening. I wasn't going to listen. You. I felt like Dawn at that point I was trying to live what I didn't have through you. 
you had this perfect relationship. Um, you had a life that I really didn't have because with my mom dying, the first person that really did seem to care about me was your father. And that was a tumultuous time too because he cheated on me when we were seeing each other or when we were together. Got back together, I ended up marrying him because I felt this is what I had to do. I didn't know any better. I didn't know what love was because I never was taught what love was because my father was constantly yelling at my mom. My father was beating my mom. That's not love but I didn't know any better. So when I was born, what did you, what did you feel, like what did you think and feel like when I was born? When you were born, that was the happiest day of my life. Why? Because I had something that I could love and would love me back. By the way, she hasn't listened to the Our Stories podcast yet and she knows that, she doesn't know that's exactly what I said about when Dylan was born. Because I didn't feel that I had the love from your father that I deserved. And you were this little doll that I loved with all my heart and still do. And I knew you would love me back. It was the happiest time of my life. I know when I said, uh, alluding to the Our Stories podcast that Ashley and I did a few weeks ago, that's one of the, it is what I said about Dylan. Like, when Dylan was born, it was... It was, I was so excited because it was mine. I was, it was something I could love unconditionally. And it was something, somebody that was going to love me unconditionally that I, like, that I had never felt before. Like, I never felt truly loved for just who I was. Only a mother can understand that when they have had a child. But I don't agree with that. I actually don't agree with that because... I think there are people out there that ha- did have semi-healthy parents and were loved and were very are very excited to have children because they want to love the way they were loved. But I didn't feel that way. I know you didn't feel that way. So I think there's where a little bit of a difference is. To me, Dylan became a possession because it was it was mine. It was something I owned. That's how I felt about you, and I owned you. Yes. And I knew that you couldn't be taken away. Well, you could have. Right. You weren't. It is hard because to say that, like for me to say to you that my son was a possession and to say it and that I've never felt like loved. And again, you and I've had this conversation, not on a podcast. You know, I know you can relate to how I was feeling and just because you say that with me, that doesn't make your parents less than, doesn't make your mom less than or anything like that. It, in all honesty, had nothing to do with them. It was about you. I know I did not feel enough growing up and I was, it's something I struggled with and that's what part relationships with partners, having my son was now... It was especially this child, having a child is no, there's nothing like like it because they need us for everything in the beginning and we are everything to them. And as fucked up as this is going to sound, that is a, that is a power trip. And it was, I welcomed it with like open arms because it made me feel like finally there was something right in my life. That's how I felt about you, Dawn. There was something in my life. I felt like you were a void that was being filled. Yeah, yeah. That I never had this. And I knew that the love I had from you was unconditional. And I never had that before. Right. So let's get to back to kind of the current time with Coda. And we're going to come back when we get into after Coda. We're going to talk more about the past and stuff. But I want to get into kind of... Um, when I got into CODA, what, and as I started working the program, what changes did you see in me? You became a completely different person as far as... Like, do you remember what was the first thing you, like, I don't, I, I know I'm asking a lot here, but if you might, do you remember when you were like, oh, she's different? When I noticed that she, you were different, Dawn, is when 
and I don't know how, if I'm going to explain and describe this the right way, but we would go maybe a few days where we didn't talk to each other, and it was okay. I did not have a problem with that, but I was finding that that's how you were dealing with your feelings, and you were dealing with your feelings with me, and it helped me understand a little better. Does that make sense? Can you elaborate? It does, but can you elaborate a little bit more on it? All right. I felt at times if you didn't talk to me on the phone or I wouldn't see you, that you didn't love me anymore. And that was an insecurity on my part. But then as you described your journey and what you were going through in CODA and how it works, it's okay not to be able to talk to somebody that you love or your mom or your dad or your brother, sister, sibling, whatever. It's okay. That doesn't mean you love them less. So going back to an instance of when you saw a change in me, do you have, I mean, and you might not, if you don't just say you, you don't, but like, is there ever a time, an interaction that we had that you would have, you were like, well, that wasn't Dawn. That wasn't the normal Dawn. Yeah, I can honestly say there is because there's times where I felt like when you did talk to me, you really didn't want to be talk to me, talking to me because you had to. But I noticed the change that when you do talk to me now, it's sincere and you really do want to talk to me. Okay. So anything else during my early CODA journey that you saw a change? Your journey of being different was, I felt that you were authentic through this journey. Where before, you were, I'm going to just say it, fake. And I thought you really meant now what you were saying and what you were doing and how you were living your life. So I was living my, my life more intentionally. More intentionally, yes. And not because you felt you had to, to appease somebody or to be this way because this is how you were expected. You were being the genuine Dawn. Was it... So... For me, I, in that time frame, uh, you know, the breakup with the guy that I've talked about a spiral and I've talked, you know, I've shared that story after um, I broke up or the guy and I, I found out that, you know, he was the lies and the cheating. And after that happened, you know, I went through that spiral and you were there for this whole thing. Like you witnessed this spiral. And I know that was very hard for you as a mom to watch that. What did, like, how did that impact you? Because, like, and I, actually, until we're talking about it really now, I didn't think about how much it was, there is some similarities to how dad was and how that story happened. I felt like there was nothing I could do to help you. I only wish somebody could have helped me and I couldn't help you. Watching you go through the pain that you were going through, and it was pain. There was nothing that I could do. And I felt like sometimes you didn't want me to help you through it. Like most everybody knows, I, you know, after a week I took him back because of the spirals and how horrible it was. And then everything was, was so much better. Like it got better. And then it wasn't better. <laughs> and that's what I felt that things were better for you. And you didn't need me anymore. Because I did what a very good codependent does. I went into denial. I went into avoidance. I w controlled myself even more to put on this happy front. And I needed to be fully 100% vested in that relationship that was not going to work anyways, no matter what. And, um, you know, that was a hard time because I was, I was pushing. I did push everybody away because... To have people, have to have anybody remove, take off one of my masks or grab one of the balls out of the air when I'm juggling all this crap and all these emotions and all these feelings, I couldn't, I couldn't put those people in my life because they would have called bullshit on me. I think the hardest part for me was watching you go through this and it brought up all the memories of what I went through in my life. And I didn't want that for you, but I couldn't stop it for you. Unfortunately, you had to go through it right. to make you a stronger person. 
I can sit here now and say how grateful I am for that situation because without that situation, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I wouldn't have the people in my life today. I wouldn't have the relationship I have with you without that. So to me, even though that was my rock bottom ever in my life, it was also the best moment of my life. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm like eternally grateful for that it happened. Dawn, I see and I saw you grow from that experience. Once I'd been in CODA a while, and I, you know, and I kind of, I didn't, in the beginning, didn't share a whole lot of my journey with you. Um, it probably wasn't until a couple of years in. My therapist told me when, you know, I took a, you know, medical leave of, uh, mental leave of absence from work. And I was struggling at that time. And she told me to go cold or go no contact with mom, with my mom. That was the hardest thing for me to accept when you told me about that because I did not know what it meant until later on. But it was needed. It was very much needed, very much. And it was never an issue of I didn't love you or that you weren't my mom. It was, I was trying to navigate this journey. You were trying to find yourself. Yeah, I was, because Coda, you know, working this program, trying to, take mental health time I needed to be on my own and I was at that that was the you know for me there was that was a point of you know putting a dear friend in my life that I needed to experience some different things and kind of I don't want to say like so wild oats <laughs> but like I needed that to go and have a good time and, and be away from things that brought up negative triggers because that's what I had gone through the whole, for the last, you know, almost little, almost a year had gone through. And it was like, I needed that space to be able to get six weeks into this program. This program, like doing CODA was a job for me those six weeks. I didn't you know, I wasn't at the beach. I wasn't um, going, you know, hanging out on the couch at home. Like I would get up, I'd go to take my kid to school and I'd go to the Barnes and Noble because it was pre-COVID, sit at the table and I'd sit there until I had to pick him up because, and I would read and I would, and I was, I had, was still finishing up getting my master's at the time and I would, I would work my steps, but I, I, and I feel like that, since that's what I did in those six weeks, and I took that time of disconnect from basically every everything outside of me, it allowed me to come back after those six weeks kind of connected. I mean, like more connected with me. Those six weeks that you took and the triggers that you went through helped me wake up to the fact that, okay then I have issues that I need to deal with just like she does. So when is the first time that you, I'm right, and I, after I'd been in the program for a while, like I would come to you and I'm like, I would say things to you like, well, that's very codependent or you're being very codependent or, you know, that's codependency or you're, you know, you're codependent. Probably Dawn about a year ago was when okay. I realized. That's yeah. about right. And that's, so mind you, that's four years into my recovery work. So it took you four years to fully understand me, understand where I was, to be able to look at yourself. But I was seeing what it was doing to you, and I thought, if it can happen to her, and she can change the way she is, why can't I? So a year ago, I felt like maybe it was time that I realized what I was like and what I was going through. And I can fully understand now. Let's not say you can fully understand because we still have to the best of my ability. Well, we have conversations like we had one, the, uh, what, last week or two weeks ago. And I said something to you and you were like, I didn't get it. And you were kind of a little uh, about it. But then when we once we talked about it and you understood from a codependent perspective. I have to say, Dawn, there's going to be times where I'm going to go, eh, I don't understand this. Right, but. exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like the word always isn't like right you still are learning i'm still learning 
isn't life a learning process? Well, though? some people, right? We use, we throw the word always out there, but always is not an accurate word. No. Right? So that is like, I want to grow every day. I want to grow and be better. I want to. And so I think that's what you're doing is like, it isn't, you don't always get, if I say something to you or do something, you don't always get it. But Life the one, isn't over when you hit a certain but, age. Life keeps going on. But what's and you learn. But what's the thing about it is, is now instead what you do, which is this is what's different, right? And age has nothing to do with. I one of my biggest annoyances with people say, "Well, I'm getting older, so I I should get like a pass to be an ass." No, you don't I get it. I have a tendency to do that occasionally, but yeah, then you do. I, then I wake myself up and realize, look, age is just a number. Yes, things change with age, but that doesn't mean we get to, we can just be how we, how we want to be. So I think one of the things that you do now is when something happens and you feel a certain way, like I'll say something and you'll feel a certain way about it, instead of letting that pile on top of each other, eventually we'll talk about it. Now, one of the things I think we could improve on is talking about things sooner. I agree. We let them build. We let it build up we to don't, the point where sometimes I don't think we let it build up anymore. I well, think no, we just let. So I'm going to use an example that came from a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago. I, Ashley and I talked about. I had a situation where I paid off a bill, and it was for me. It was a very monumental thing. Because I, it was, for me, it was marked this milestone of I was no longer paying for past relationship choices. I was actually, now I'm at a place where any debt I incur, it's actually mine. (laughs) And it's not because of codependent behavior. I can make healthier choices with it. And so when I called you, and um, I'll just remind people that if you're not listening to the podcast in order... Uh, I called her and to tell her how excited I was. And when you answered and I said, you know, remember this, da, 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 da. I paid the last payment today. And you were like, well, you can start paying our bills now. And we talked, Ashley and I talked about, right, I wasn't going to my mom for validation. I didn't even know, wasn't looking for validation. But when she didn't, when she responded that way, then I was all of a sudden, I wanted validation, which is really messed up but like i mean it's that's just my codependent brain the ex- what i why i bring this example up is because one of the things that happened today before we started recording was we were talking about it and i was like and this happened a week ago the, no not a week ago it happened monday i think it was monday yeah, it, it was, was monday. monday so four days ago four or five days ago because it's saturday we didn't talk about it at all and I didn't, I talked about it on the podcast, let it go, was over it, done. And, but I knew today we're sitting here and I was like, we're talking and I was like, you know, I really need to tell you that when I said this to you and you responded this way, I felt. And your comment to me was, yeah, I, and she, she actually cut me off and she was like, I know I messed up. I'm really sorry. I thought about it as soon as we hung up, but I was, you know, I was going through something at that moment and I forgot about it. And I think there is been one of our problems is because we almost take each other for granted in a way. We do. You, instead of picking up the phone and calling me and saying, I'm sorry, you just let it go knowing that it would be okay and didn't like didn't consider like how like maybe that like it's not taking that was an exciting time in your life and i deflated the balloon for you which thinking about it now it was a deflate of the balloon a balloon because you were excited you were calling me to tell me about it and because of the issue that i was going through at that time i didn't give you the praise and compliment that you needed until today. But I don't think it was, I wasn't coming to you for praise and compliments. And I think this is one of the things that I feel like has been missing in my life that you have never done for me. 
is when I'm excited about something and I come to you, it's, I just want you to be excited with me. To me calling you, like there was nobody else I would have called. I mean, I wanted to call you first because you've been there. You know what I went through. You witnessed it. And I thought, I went to you thinking you would be able to celebrate with me. And I wasn't looking for praise or recognition or anything like that. I was looking for somebody to celebrate with me and like, oh my God, that's awesome. Yes, done. Yes, yes. That's so, you know, like really celebrate with me. Not looking for validation or just to be happy with me. And then you weren't happy with me. And I it was a deflate of my balloon until what I did was I reached out to people that are in a healthy place and and no I don't mean no offense or anything like that but they were just authentically happy for me like it was celebration oh my god great job now I'm not saying what you like if you were going through something in that moment is totally understandable and you might not have been able to to do that at that be happy at that moment for me but I think one of the things that we have to do better on is when we recognize it instead of i'll call her later or i need to tell her this next time i see her is stop what we're doing pick up the phone and make an amends because the amends would have coming oh you know a day later versus five days later would have meant would have just added to my back to my excitement right and it was over and done with it was a five minute excitement thing i mean right i paid off a bill but it was for me it wasn't the bill it was the oh my god finally all this drama is behind me and i think that's one of the things what and going back to what we have done is we've not stepped up in a timely manner to acknowledge and make amends and say what we need to say for me to say i'm sorry or you know i was going through something i you know i want to hear about this i think that's what we need to do more of i know that i fell short on that as well okay so getting back to once a year ago once we got back in when i was in recovery or, you know, I was in full in recovery. You've seen all these changes. I'm living my life differently. We sat down. One of the things that I wanted to understand, because part of understanding my codependency is understanding my parents' childhoods and what they went through, which, you know, obviously would impact them and their ability to parent me. So I came to you and I asked you, some questions I asked you, you know, I had asked you over time to, you know, tell me about your childhood, explain some things. And I had a list of questions that you and I walked through so I could understand your childhood better. And so some of those were, how did you get along with your parents? Um, what was growing up like? What, you know, what did it look like, you know, being a the girl in the house, what was it, you know, just asking all of these questions, trying to understand her mom better, her dad better. And so how did you, when we were going through those questions, what did you think? Not in a, like not so much in a post recovery or post question standpoint, but when I'm asking you these questions, like, what did you think about the questions? Did you think they were going to impact? Like, I didn't think they were going to impact me as much as they did, but it made me reflect back on my childhood and how much, I guess, my childhood was messed up. I had my mom in my life from the time I was born until the day she got sick. My father was not around much because he worked a different shift and never there. My mom doted on me. I mean, I know she loved me very much, but... From the time she got sick, I didn't know what to do at that point. My father, all he did was yell, and I don't think he really knew how to raise a girl. I had a brother that I had to take care of, so my childhood was kind of messed up. Did you... I had to learn along the way, you might say. So did you think before all these questions and you started looking at it? I mean, there's like seven pages of questions. So, and the questions are very repetitive. They just are I guess in all a these format. questions that you ask me, I didn't realize 
what my life was like before this. So you thought your childhood was... I thought I had a perfect childhood until these questions came up. And then I look back and realize that, boy, it was kind of messed up. But I still felt like I was loved by my mother. My mother was very important to me. The questions sometimes got a little bit hard to answer, a little bit in detail that I was finding out about myself. But I also found out that a lot of it was not my fault, which I kind of blamed myself for a long time. And I've had to live with a lot of things. But I'm learning that I didn't know any better. And I am a good person. So can I ask you a question? And you can refuse to answer this if you would like. um, And I will just cut it out. I know there are people in my that listen to this podcast and that have experienced similar things that you have experienced. You were sexually assaulted by a relative. How do you think that impacted your life? Like growing up and... It impacted my life a lot because I felt like I was to blame for what happened. I think because the anger that I had inside me, I lashed out on people that shouldn't have been. To this day, I think back about those, and is there something that I could have done to have stopped it? The first time, I was too young. The second time, I could have. But I'm not at fault. And that took me a long time to realize that. And it took my daughter, Dawn, I love you for this, getting me to realize that it was not my fault. Did you find yourself blaming other people? I have talked to people that instead of their abuser, they would blame other other people for not protecting them. Did you feel that way? I don't know that I could blame my mom for the first time abuse because I don't think she knew anything about it. But when she found out about it, and I will be the first to say that it was my uncle that abused me. And he was living with us at the time. And from that time on, he was no longer welcome in our home. I never spoke to my uncle after that. And he passed away. Did I have any emotions? No. And I still don't have any emotions. The second abuse, nobody was there to protect me. Because the person that should have been there to protect me was the abuser. Have I spoken this out loud to anybody? No. This is the first time. Well, you did therapy. You did? Yes, I did therapy. You were what, about 30-ish, 35-ish? About 30, yeah, about 35, 36. Did that help you, do you think, or? Yes and no, because I carried this with me. When I married your father, Don, he never knew any of this. Never. Of course, then after the divorce and everything, and then when I was 35, I got the therapy that I needed. And that was due to my present husband. And he was the very first person to ever find out about this because I never talked about it with anybody. And he was the one that encouraged me to get the help. So looking back at that time, the what happened, when it happened, and then going through therapy, if you, because I don't have those experiences, what would you tell somebody that has, would have, that's went through some the similar thing that you went through what would, you, what would you tell them? I mean, how would you support them and, and encourage them to do what? It's not your fault and get help and talk to somebody. Don't hold it inside. But because of the times and the age at that time, people didn't talk about things like that like they do now. Well, I think it's a tough... I mean, there's so much shame that comes with it. And I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you felt... Well, I I know you felt that way because we've talked about it. So how do you navigate that shame? It's a hard one to navigate because until you realize that you're not the fault of the situation, you keep thinking that you should have been able to do something about it, that it should never have happened, that you were the one that caused it. There's so many scenarios that you go through in your head. So how did you now get to the point, like, do you struggle with it now? No, I don't struggle with it now at all. It's in the past. So when do you think that kind of you were able to fully let it go? I think when I fully let that go, Dawn, is when I talk to you about it. So do you think talking about it with someone took the power out of it? How do you mean taking the power out of it? 
sorry, there's a lot of weight to things. We have like some situation will happen and it, we ca it carries a lot of weight in our lives. There's a lot of shame, fear to it. Um, but then the weight was lifted when I talked to you. About right. It. The power behind it. Right. The power. Because it, it, it becomes, things will become this very powerful event in our life that impact our entire lives. But then when we talk about it and we share about it and we look at it from a different place, by doing that, now no longer is it as powerful because it's not a dirty, dark secret. And I've known year, for years this happened. I think the difference for why it changed this last year was because I was at a different place when we talked about it and I could, I've done my own recovery work on past traumas that I was able to give you an alternative way to think about the trauma. Anybody that has been through anything like a sexual molestation and there's all sorts of issues that people have gone through, not maybe sexually or mentally or whatever, but I'm just telling from my experience, a sexual molestation like this, you carry it with you for a long time thinking that you're not a complete person because you let this happen. The weight that this puts on you is unbelievable, unbelievable, unless you've been through it. But being able to share this, and I've never shared it, publicly until maybe three, four years ago. I wasn't ashamed to tell people that I was sexually molested because I knew it wasn't my fault. And to this day, it wasn't my fault. And I don't have that weight anymore. I honestly believe this weight that I carried for so long affected my life from the time that it happened until I realized I had these issues as far as CODA, codependency. They affected me and I didn't realize how much of an impact it did affect me. You carry this with you for a long time until you can release it. And by sharing the codependency and learning about it, the impact is so different. So I have another question for you. Um, how did this situation with the with being um, sexually abused did it did it impact you and your outlook on sex as an adult? Most definitely, it did. I felt like, okay, I got married. You're supposed to have sex with your husband. I felt like it was an obligation instead of being something that was a union between your husband and you. But I felt like it was an obligation. So did it take the pleasure out of sex for you? Absolutely, it did. It got to the point where it was almost to the point where there was no pleasure whatsoever. And now I can honestly say with my second husband, the best relationship I have ever had in my life. Now getting back to codependency and that aspect of your life, which this, I mean, I know that played a factor in your life and you, you know, losing your mom at a very, very young age, right? So you had no idea what it was to be, what a parent or a parent should look like. And I, I can't say that same thing. I mean, even though life was difficult and it was my childhood was traumatic and and it was hard, it I at least had some idea what parents look like. You know, um, they might not have been the healthiest of parents, but you had a father and a mother, but you didn't know what parenting was supposed to be because your mother never had parenting from her parents, so you didn't get that. Your father was never around because he traveled with his job. The only parenting that you might have received would have been from your grandparents. And you spent a lot of time with them. And they did the best they could. Ultimately, it was up to me to parent. But how was I supposed to parent when I didn't know how? 
And I was. I mean, my grandparents were the world to me. They were. They they were totally my happy place. I loved being them with them. And you know, then we moved away, and we it wasn't. You know, I would go, but it wasn't like it was. I wouldn't go as frequently, and that was hard growing up because I did. I felt like I lost my my safe place. Um, it truly was my safe place. What else did you learn about yourself through our questions? You asked me if there was something else in my life that I. How did you word that, Dawn? I said, what was something else you learned out of the questions than when we went through them about yourself? I learned a lot about myself up until recently. Well, probably, I guess maybe a couple years ago, I felt like I always had to prove myself to everybody. And I think because of what I went through when I was young, the molestation and what have you, that I wasn't good enough. And I had to prove myself to everybody in any aspect of life, work, living, what have you, that I had to prove that I was better than what I felt. Can you, what do you mean? Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I felt like I had to be perfect because I didn't think I was perfect because I didn't live in a perfect world. Well, nothing's perfect, no, right? One of our big, perfect. one of our big code of saying is, is progress, not perfection. Because but right? I was molested, and that's why I felt I was not perfect. I thought I was, I thought it was trash, because this happened to me. I wanted to be a better person. I wanted to be perfect because I wanted to put that behind me, and it took me a long time to be able to do that. Oh, so you felt not enough. I felt not enough. I didn't feel worth anything. Which is a very big part of codependency, of feeling we don't deserve, that feeling we're not enough to deserve the best. And we don't deserve to be, we don't deserve goodness. And I didn't feel like I deserved anything good. Why should I? Because I felt like I was dirty. I, I, because this happened to me that I could have stopped it. But I was a small child. I couldn't stop it. But I was older when it happened, and I could have stopped it. And I blame my, I blamed myself for a long time. So is there anything else that shocked you that you didn't realize about your own codependency? That you didn't think was part of codependency, but it was, or it is? I would say most definitely yes, that I felt like I had to control what my children did how they felt, how they lived their lives. Did you think that was codependency? No, I didn't until I realized what codependency was. And I realized that I was still trying to be a mom, and that was a terrible way of being a mother because you can't control your lives when they have a life of their own. Right, because we can't control anyone. I mean, and no. misnomer what society tells us, that just because we have kids, we get to control them, but that's not the case. Our kids, we don't get to control anyone. We have no control over anybody but ourselves. But you can't tell your children how to live their lives either. Right. And I was thinking, yeah, maybe I should be able to do that, but you can't. You know, it's funny because one of the things growing up was you would tell me how to do certain things, but you wouldn't tell me how to do other things. So, for example... There's some things that... I would tell you how to do things, you would do it, and I'd turn around and do it over. Yeah, but even just situational things. You might try to control this situation in my life, but then maybe, when, it, especially when it came to relationships, like, you just left, like, left me to the wolves. Not literally, but literally. Um. <laughs> I did, because I didn't know. I didn't know what a relationship was. It was so funny because... You would always try to control my life, definitely through manipulation, right? Manipulation is a very powerful tool. Oh, most definitely it is. And did you, that I think was one of those things we've talked about. Like, did you realize how much, how? No, I didn't realize how much. But Not that now you that did, back but, on it. but it is a like manipulation is control and that control is codependency. And so we manipulate to get what we want and it's not. We're not manipulating to do the best thing for the other person, which is what we tell ourselves at the time. It's actually, what do I get out of it? Most definitely. And I did that a lot. I will sit here and admit it to the world. I did it a lot. Was it right? 
No. Did it give me self-satisfaction? Probably at the time, yes. But I think back now, and what self-satisfaction did I get out of it? Nothing. Other than arguing with my daughter, where I lost some good quality time with her. So for anybody out there that does not have a good place, or is not at a good place with their moms, and I think, let me say this first, like, we're not always in a perfect spot. No. I mean, we... We, we're still going to not see things the same or have a disagreement. I think one of the things we are so much better at now is communicating. Like we used to, like I said before, earlier in the podcast, was we'd have blowout yelling at, cussing at each other, hanging up phone calls or conversations and face-to-face. And I mean, there was day, there was holidays, like everybody hated holidays with us because we'd fight by the time I'd been here 30 minutes. We'd be together 30 minutes and we'd be fighting and then the whole holiday is ruined. And and I think that's probably the biggest thing that we do now is we don't fight like that. I know for me, I can say to you comfortably, I need space. I need time. That happened recently. I did that to you. I was, everybody knows that my mom, so thank you, mom, for making all the cards that, every, that um, people received with their medallions. They were beautiful and perfect and um, exactly what I wanted without even like her and I were never face to face about them. But there was a lot of conversations and then we went into graduation and I was a little bit on overload with with interaction with my mom. Um, Because I think one of the ways we've maintained our relationship now is we aren't so far up each other's asses that (laughs) we have space. But I said that to her. I'm like, I need space. I've been around you too much. And I can accept that from her because I understand. And I can say the same thing because there's days where I feel the same thing. It's like, oh my God, my daughter's calling me again. Right. So what if, so is it okay that you don't answer me? Absolutely. It's okay if I don't answer you. And it's okay if you don't answer me. Because I have a rule that I let the phone ring three times. And if she doesn't answer on the third ring, I hang up because I know either she doesn't want to talk she doesn't feel like talking or she's working. Right. But we both know, um, we've kind of established this, like you blow up my phone, there's something going on. Absolutely. Or I know how to get a hold of her if she doesn't answer on the third ring. Right. Then you start calling kids. You start calling. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's how we've navigated this is being able to give each other space, being able to accept when the other person says something and we listen i know even today when we were talking earlier we were talking and i was trying to say something and instead of she wasn't listening she would like she just kept over speaking over me and not i was trying to respond and what i i I said to you i need you to let me finish you're not respecting my 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 space to share what i need to share and you I'm sorry. And right. And you, we worked through it and we went right into continued on in our conversation. You know, I think we've learned how to use our words better, not in an angry weapon way, more of how we've used our words as a tool. And if there's anybody out there who thinks that you can't get through life without codependency or without CODA, try it because... I know it's work on my daughter and I. I'm not going to say that we don't have our issues because we still do sometimes, just like she said. But we know how to navigate and get through it now. And that is a big part of my journey. That isn't your journey, right? Our relationships changed because of the work I have done. And then by me doing the work and me changing my ways and the way I interact with you, the way I interact with my boys has given you this, huh, what is she doing? I'm going to try that shit. Well, the thing is, you have given me the tools that works for me on everyday life. So it works a lot of ways. You need to try it. And I I can't thank you, Dawn, enough for opening my eyes to see what I've missed all these years. And I'm going to get emotional about this because it has been a struggle. And I love you for it. And I apologize for what all we've missed, but we're going forward from here on out. Yes, we are. 
And I, I, that's a great way to end today, this conversation. We have come very, very far. I'm so as well grateful for everything we've been through. I cannot ever say the words and I've, is of change. I would never change anything. I would never change how our relationship was or would be or how it was because if I changed how it was, it would change how it is and would be going forward. So mom, from the bottom of my heart, I love you more than you'll ever know. And thank you for participating in this journey with me and doing this podcast. Again, I'm, I am a unique person that gets this honor. So thank you. And with that, everybody, have an amazing week. Ashley will be back next week. And until then, have a great week. Thank Bye. you, Dawn. Oh, oh, go ahead, Mom. Thank you, Dawn, for letting me participate with you. It was a great experience. Anytime. Anytime, Mom. All right. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.